This is the five tech things you should know about for August 3rd, 2023. China's putting some internet regulation on for their children. Should we do that too? We'll take a look at some of the pros and cons for that next on the five tech things. Hey everybody, Jeffrey Powers here from Geekazine, Think Magazine, Put in a Geek, and you got me. Uh, you can find the five tech things over on Geekazine or on youtube.com forward slash Geekazine. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and hit that bell notification. Remember, the podcast playlist is what you want to subscribe to for the five tech things, or just subscribe to Geekazine and you'll get all your reviews from there. Now let's get into the five tech things you should know. Sergey Brian, back again. Turn up the AI. Let's begin. Google on Google. People, let me search the noise. Google with Sergey Sindur and Gemini. AI, there it is. AI, there it is. AI, well, there it is. Sergey Brin is back at the Google offices, but he's not applying for any janitor position. He's helping researchers and their AI model called Gemini. Now, Google Gemini is the AI project competing against ChatGPT. The program came from Demis Hassabis of DeepMind and the 2016 program Basis of AlphaGo. It's a product name derived from the fact that the program actually defeated a champion player of the board game Go. Now, years ago, myself and the children of the 70s and 80s used to be addicted to Othello, otherwise known as Reverseye. It's a 140-year-old game that was similar to Go. Now you know. Now you can go. Please don't go. There is no mention as to how Sergey Brin is helping out with the production. It may be to navigate the alphabet waters. It may be to lend some insight on the coding. He could just be keeping the project on task for rumored release in October of this year. I think he's trying to make sure Gemini doesn't have any really bad AI jokes about him. That's what I would do. Gemini has already been praised as an AI that could surpass ChatGPT when it does launch. It also means Gemini will be pretty much in every program that's Google-based. From search to documents to helping you figure out which Wi-Fi to connect to and especially improving on the Google Home Assistant. By the way, Bryn and co-founder Larry Page are still active on Google as board members. Speaking of home assistants and AI, you might ask, well, where's Amazon in all this? I like my alley. Well, fear not, because Amazon promoted Rohit Prasad, the senior vice president and head scientist for alley. The group will be working on large language models, or LLMs, which is the underlying technology to AI. By the way, all this information was actually obtained by a leaked email. It's pretty safe to say it's going forward because they have to catch up to ChatGPT, Microsoft, Google, and others that could come out of the woodwork tomorrow. Now with Amazon, their two focuses are selling products and AWS. AI can definitely help in doing both of those things. It's a great offering for any company that uses AWS systems. From planning and deploying websites, company portals, single-use computers, EC3 storage, and much more. Then there's the sales side. Recommended products, suggestions to restock your favorite coffee, suggesting you haven't been on the Amazon app in a while. You know, it's lonely. She needs attention. Are you there? It's me. Amazon. It's really not to say that Amazon doesn't have all AI already, They because they do. Like I said before, AI is a hot term right now, and many people are trying to pan for gold and find new mines to gold. By the way, you can get real gold on Amazon. 
but not gold bricks. They're all replicas, including a National Geographic Fool's Gold dig kit. I'll have the link down in the show notes. Now it's time for a new segment in the five tech things. It's a little bit of tech history for the week of August 3rd. August 3rd, 1977, Lewis Cornfield announced that the TRS-80 Model 1 microcomputer, this is an 8-bit computer that had 4 kilobits of RAM, 4 kilobits of ROM, 12-inch RCA video, and came with the CPM OS. $399.95, but add all those little extras, it comes out to $599.95. On August 6th of 1997, Steve Jobs announced a five-year alliance and then brought in Bill Gates. The Microsoft Alliance, which happened at Macworld Expo, would make certain patents cross-licensable. Office for Mac would be created, as well as Internet Explorer for Mac. And on August 9, 1999, AMD introduced the Athlon processor, which replaced the K7 line. This was a slot A processor. You could buy the processor on its own, but there was a processor on a slot A card, basically like a PCIe card. Speeds from 500 megahertz all the way to 650 megahertz, with prices from $249 all the way up to $849. But I can get one now on eBay for only 20 bucks. By the way, what was your first processor? Let me know in the comments below. Oppenheimer had a pretty big viewership this last week for Barbenheimer Fest. Sounds like a German Oktoberfest thing, right? Some got bummed out when that 70 millimeter print just didn't work. I worked at a theater and I know what it takes to actually spool and run just 35 millimeter film. If it broke, you had to either rethread it and go forward or stop the film and fix the problem. And that seemed to become a problem. A three hour movie meant an 11 mile long film strip that then had to be handled carefully. If you remember the episode of the Big Bang Theory where Sheldon stole all the canisters during Raiders of the Lost Ark special showing, that was a 90 minute movie, which is about three canisters that had to be spliced together and put onto the platter. And you had to run the whole movie through the projector before you played it to the audience to make sure that it worked properly which is really cool because I actually got to see a movie to an empty theater so now you double the size you double the canisters and you double the fun each canister had to have weighed about a hundred pounds each the whole movie is 600 pounds and the movie just barely fit on the platter that holds the film if you haven't gone to see it now you might have a more worn version that you're watching now the film is pretty resilient so it's not gonna fade but it's an exposed film that's layered upon itself, reeled, unreeled, and reeled back in. Dust and dirt basically will scratch and pass through the projector, and if the film breaks, you have a few minutes to wait for the fix, not to mention there's already splice in there. Add to it, there are only a handful of 70mm projectors in theaters in the United States and Canada. No one is going to actually pay $400,000 minimum to install a brand new projector just for this movie, especially if the digital projector is there and it's easier to operate and cost efficient. One theater had to fly someone out from LA just to run the film for two weeks. That tells you how much they use that projector on a regular basis. You know, there is something in watching a film movie on a projector and don't get me wrong, the bumps and scratches sometimes they're basically like white noise. Uh, if you want that type of nostalgia. If you've never grown up to that nostalgia, you you have no idea. In the end, and keep in mind, I haven't seen the movie, I am good with a digital print. Heck, 
the theater that I'd be watching it is not even a full IMAX theater. If I wanted to watch that 70 millimeter IMAX version, I'd actually have to drive to the IMAX theater in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is about five hours, 38 minutes away from me. So, you know, I've moved back to episodic content on Geekazine along with the reviews and the unboxings. I need to make these episodes at the five tech things pop in many different ways so you can find them and you can watch them weekly. You might also have a show on YouTube. One problem that I've always had with the creating of content is all the research of keywords, figuring out the SEOs, or building of thumbnails. That's where TubeBuddy comes in. The features that they offer can help you get discovered in searches. With new AI features like Suggest a Title and Thumbnail Heat Map, you can improve on gaining and retaining your audience. My favorite TubeBuddy feature is SEO Studio. You put in a couple keywords and it's actually going to tell you how to improve your tags, how to improve your descriptions, so your video can be suggested in searches. Check out TubeBuddy.com forward slash geek and install for a free trial. That's TubeBuddy.com forward slash geek. Now let's get back into the five tech things you should know. Is YouTube on track to turn a $40 billion valuation into a $240 billion one? One investor thinks so. That person is Michael Nathanson, co-founder of SVB Moffat Nathanson. It's no surprise if people are using YouTube more as they cut the cord, but if the writers and actors strike goes on past September, many might start using this as a primary form of entertainment. For example, I have Peacock because I got it last year on a one-year deal and it was a great price to do. Once that price is over, I'm going to have to ask myself, will there be new content on this service to justify the new monthly fee? Same thing with Paramount Plus. Same thing with Apple TV, Amazon, Netflix, and other streaming services. But there's more to YouTube than just my show. Oh, and, and of course my shorts, but I'm talking even more than that. Getting YouTube TV over Charter TV or Cox or whatever service you have in your area could become the trend. He believes that YouTube TV will hit 10 million subscribers in the next five years. And with the extra streaming content available, this could be a show or a channel that could be part, a bigger part of YouTube TV. And I get that because I do that all the time. A great example, after watching Marvel's Secret Invasion, I was off to YouTube to find all the people that could explain a lot more. One group I found was Ryan Airy of Screen Crush. He gives us a great deep dive into what I might have missed. Screen Crush, new rock stars, and heavy spoilers have been doing great deep dives on all the these movies and TV shows because they know the MCU, they know Disney, they compare it to the comics, they know who a certain character is and where they could be going in future shows and bring on full theories of what to expect in the next show or movie. I could picture a YouTube page with the show and then all the fan recaps and interviews from there. A full rabbit hole of information you could tap into to understand what's going on. It's really something no other social network has set up to be. A social network and a watch channel. Now the real question is, is YouTube actually going to be moving in this direction? I really hope they do. And now it's time for the quick five. Let's do it. 
Today I learned that metal can heal itself. A team of scientists at Sandia National Laboratories in New Mexico witnessed how a small crack in platinum actually healed itself. The crack had to be observed under a microscope, but it does show that the certain metals will actually heal in the right condition. In this case, it was done in a vacuum, so there's no data if the metal will actually heal better or worse when exposed to actual elements. But it might mean we're one step closer in making that Robert Patrick Terminator. Think about that. A team at the Huashong University of Science and Technology in Wuhan, China, said they successfully synthesized an LK99 crystal and verified that material could levitate on a magnetic field. Now, what does that really mean? LK99 is it's in the field of superconduction. Improvements in motors, transformers, cables, magnets, and more come into play. This superconductor simply could make cars move with less friction and with motors running more efficiently and more likely quieter. You could have an electric lawnmower that did the whole lawn and still have enough battery to trim your hedges, to chainsaw the overgrown branches, to power wash the driveway. You get the idea. Even long spanning power lines, desktop quantum computing could all be improved with this technology. The ex-drama continues as Elon Musk tried to simply change the name on the side of the building. The city shut down the production, so in some type of protest, protest? Yeah. Elon put a big bright X on the top of the building. The sign pulsated all through the night, annoying residents of nearby buildings. The X was then removed only a couple days later after multiple complaints and the fact that they wouldn't let the inspectors up on top of the building to inspect the structure. Now how will the ships be guided through the San Francisco Bay? By the way, the city is looking into charging Elon Musk for building without a permit. Would you get healthcare from Amazon? The virtual clinic is now available in all 50 states on Amazon's website and the mobile app. This means you can buy your coffee, you can buy your new shoes to go with that really nice red dress, and oh yeah, you can have telehealth professionals look at that suspicious mole on your arm. Now, telehealth includes video visits and message-based consultations. They do not take insurance, but if you need a prescription, that could be covered through your local plan. But there's no word whether you could still get the two-day shipping on that. And finally, the Cyberspace Administration of China published a draft set of rules for smartphones that would limit daily internet use by minors. This boils down to 40 minutes for anyone under 8 years old, 1 hour for those 8 to 16, and 2 hours if you're 16 to 18 years old. It was suggested this is helping curb internet addiction in youth. But coming from a person who grew up before the internet, I'm not too sure if this is just delaying the inevitable, Mr. Anderson. Now, don't get me wrong. Regulation of viewing times for youth is a good thing. Making sure they're not on social networks or that could bully, that could harass and possibly groom the child are very important. But setting the rules like this is just a feel-good answer. For example, a parent could easily bypass all of those limits for the kid. If the two-year-old is screaming because their 40 minutes is up, the parent could just log into the tablet or the phone and hand it back over, allowing the child to go for hours without that limit. Now, the biggest curve is for online gaming. We've seen news of gamers that die because 
malnutrition, addiction to games that they feel that when they lose, they've lost it all and it's time to end it all, or simply sitting in a chair for days or weeks and developing conditions like deep vein thrombosis. If Ian Anderson could get DVT, then you could get it too. The more you know. Then we have things like TikTok droning, which is a lack of sleep because the screen has to be on and they have to watch just one more video. Swiping, watching, swiping, watching, watching, sleeping, not possible. Right now, TikTok receives more engagement per user than what Twitter, Reddit, Snapchat, and Instagram does on average. With TikTok having 1.6 billion users, 1.1 billion active, there's a lot of content to go through. Wait, they, they just put on a new filter. I, I got to do a new TikTok on that one. Hold on. Hold on one second. I'll be right back. Another interesting result of the ban, video game companies like NetEase, their stocks have declined 2.9%. Alibaba, Baidu also have had stocks go down up to 4%. Loss. But is that because of regulation or because of economic times? According to the S&P Global, NetEase and Tencent have been finding it harder to keep users under 18 on their networks with this limitation. Tencent had put limits on their most popular game, which is called Honor of Kings, to comply. But less gameplay also means that people are leaving the game and, of course, possibly abandoning the game altogether. Personally, I always thought of gameplay like this. I, I go to a job, I work at a desk, I got to write that next article, and then I got to write that next article, and then I got to make the next video, and oh yeah, I already made the video. We already made those donuts. I made it. It's now time to edit. And I'm sitting at my desk for hours or days on end. The parents and other family members really have to play into this too. Even when I was a kid, the TV was a form of escape for the parents as well as the children. If you're being troublesome in the 50s to the 90s, you go and watch the TV. In the 90s through 2010s, you'd go play on the computer. And today, well, you go play on the smartphone or the tablet. Maybe there was a family before the 1950s that was like yelling at the children. They go, you read that newspaper way too much. Put it down and go play. The screen is small, the device is portable, and it can be used anywhere. The living room, the kitchen table, outside, on a long car ride, in the bed, and yes, even in the privy, you do it. Yes, you do. It's a little different from watching TV in the living room, I guess. Maybe not the newspaper, though. By the way, did you ever have a stack of newspapers in the bathroom when you were growing up? Something to read? Let me know in the comments below. It really is a family watching. A family. If brothers and sisters are not close, then maybe they feel that the only way to be heard or seen is through that tablet or phone. I've never lived in China, so I don't know how the regulation works on there, but I do know that the regulation in China is something that cannot be regulated in the United States government or companies, or can it? YouTube has YouTube kids, so those under 18 have a safe place to watch content, including class lessons, or other learning avenues. Could YouTube also implement a watch time limit that is not a parental control? If they did, would parents complain about it? The real answer is accessible, anonymous help. A place where you can go where the phone is not there or on and you can talk to someone about your thoughts and fears. A place where you can learn and you don't need to max out your screen time. You know, like maybe a school. I don't know. Maybe China has a good handle on this. China does have a population of 1.4 billion and Statista says there's over 1 billion smartphone users.
which means that children actually do have smartphones, and most likely those children know how to log into their parents' accounts. And yes, they can ultimately bypass that regulation. At least that's what would happen in the United States, right? But what do you think? Do you have a way to help parents and children with this type of regulation, keeping the screen time down to a minimum, keeping the health of the children in check, keeping the health of the parents in check for that matter? Let me know down in the comments below. And that does it for the five tech things that you should know about. My name is Jeffrey Powers. Thanks a lot for watching. Thanks a lot for listening. We do have the podcast audio version over on geekazine.com. And then, of course, the uh, video version on youtube.com where you can go ahead, like, subscribe, comment, hit that bell notification so you need to know when the next show comes out. Until next time, you guys geek out and take care. My name is Jeffrey Powers, and this is the five tech things that you should know about.